ever wondered what inner work with internal family systems looks like with troubling sexual issues? What is it like when a man has the courage and the trust to lean into his sexual issues and engage them more fully? I am bringing you an example of this today. Drew Boa and I recently did a live workshop for Christian mental health professionals in which we reviewed our unburdening of three of his parts from a major sexual issue. We stopped the video at some points to discuss the process of the demonstration in real time with those Christian therapists. And then Drew gave us the gift of his willingness and his openness to share his experience, to share his history with a much broader audience, to share it with you, to share it with all the listeners of our Interior Integration for Catholics podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, also known as Dr. Peter, clinical psychologist, trauma therapist, podcaster, blogger, co-founder and president of Souls and Hearts, but most of all, I am a beloved little son of God, a passionate Catholic who wants to help you to taste and see the height and depth and breadth and warmth and light of the love of God, especially God the Father and Mary our mother our spiritual parents, our primary parents. I'm here to help you embrace your identity as a beloved little child of God and Mary. That is what this podcast is all about. That is what Souls and Hearts is all about. This is the first time I've done a video version of the Interior Integration for Catholics podcast. You are welcome to check out the video at our IIC podcast landing page at soulsandhearts.com backslash IIC, or you can just listen to the audio here. And without further ado, I bring you Drew Boa and his demonstration. Okay. So I am feeling really blessed and really excited at the same time um, because with us today, uh, I'm just so pleased, is Drew Boa. And Drew has given us all an amazing gift. He's given us the gift of himself. Uh, he's given us the gift of a demo where he does some amazing, beautiful work. He, as his innermost self with his parts. And, and Drew was willing to share that video of the way he connected with his parts, with the world. He is the host of the Husband Material podcast, which is all about helping men outgrow pornography. It's an amazing podcast. He does some really beautiful work. He brings in some of the best guests. I highly recommend it. And he also runs the website husbandmaterial.com and has a community uh, where men are working together to overcome pornography addictions. He's a coach. He is experienced with IFS, with internal family systems. And Drew, I just really wanna welcome you uh, to this experience today. Thanks, Peter. And what we've decided to do is to go through that whole uh, experience, the one we recorded on the March 6th 
2023 episode of Husband Material and invite Christian therapists to come together to have a conversation. Um, Drew and I will break it down. We'll stop at various points to describe what's happening with our parts, kind of share what was like the inside story, what you might not have seen, you know, right on the surface all the time to share some of that. And then also to just open up some conversation to see some reactions of, of folks that are, that are watching this. And as we begin, um, I just want to let you know that some of your parts are likely to resonate with what happens in this. It's, it's really common for parts to resonate, you know, so I'm going to invite you to take in what's helpful and to feel free to disconnect if it feels like it's too intense or if it's bringing up something that's strong in you. Um, and this wasn't therapy because this is a demonstration. And those of us that do IFS work, we frequently will learn from demonstrations, we'll teach by demonstrations. But even though it wasn't therapy, the material is real. This is not role play. This is not, you know, some sort of play acting or something like that. And so I'm going to invite you into the role of an observer. And what that means is not so much observing what's going on between Drew and me, but to observe what's going on within your own system. Because as your own parts are sensing what's happening in this, in this experience, it's going to bring up stuff for many of us. Parts are going to be able to resonate. And there may be some really important things that they want you to know. So just to be aware, to, you know, to take some time to observe what's happening within your own system. And we'll stop at various points. The first, the first clip is about 10 minutes long, for example, and we'll stop at various points to have some conversation and so forth. So, so Drew, I just wanted to open it up to anything that you might want to add or anything that you might want to share uh, before, we, before we get started with this. I will share that this seems unique because it engages with the topic of sexuality very directly and sexual fantasy, sexual fetishes, attractions. And that's something that I haven't seen very much in IFS literature. And yet it's so important and it's a big part of this healing journey. All right. So we're going to go ahead. I'm going to share my screen and uh, we'll roll about the first 10 minutes of, uh, of the tape. Hey man, today's episode was extremely vulnerable for me and also extremely powerful. It was the very first episode I ever recorded where I am actually receiving some guidance in my own healing journey on the episode. So I hope it's helpful for you all. We will specifically be working through one of my sexual parts, uh, a part of me that is sexually aroused by braces and specifically headgear. That is the part that I specifically wanted to work with going into this session. Um, my fascination and obsession with orthodontics is something that has been the focus for my specific struggle with pornography, masturbation, sexual fantasy. And so in this session, you are going to get a glimpse of what it's like to actually learn where that kind of stuff might come from. It will give you a chance to see what it's like to 
give and receive love to actually experience healing in these parts of us. I want to remind everyone that the goal is not to remove any of our parts. The goal is not to change our sexuality. The goal is listening, learning, and loving with the power of God in us and between us. So it's a very sacred experience that I've had. I present it to you in the hope that it will encourage you and maybe give you some new insights or imagination for what healing could look like for you and your specific sexual parts. Enjoy the episode. So today is a very vulnerable moment for me where we are going to do an experiential exercise with one of my sexual parts. Um, Sexuality is often misunderstood and we often either just indulge or attack the the sexual thoughts and feelings that we wish we didn't have, um, which really prevents us from giving and receiving love and from integration, from living with whole hearts and being able to outgrow old behaviors that we don't need anymore. So today, Peter and I are here showing up, ready for whatever God might want to do. I feel the need to uh, let everyone know that uh, there's just so much hostility in conversations surrounding sexuality in our wider culture, conversations about um, what is acceptable, and what is not, what is biblical and what is not. And what I'm hoping to show here and what I'm hoping to experience is that many of our sexual attractions and fantasies really have non-sexual needs and underpinnings. Um, and when we can address those, wow, what a difference. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm coming here today with a part of me that I've only revealed to just a few people. And so being present to the fact that it feels very vulnerable. Um, and so I am taking a redemptive risk by showing up and doing some work with this specific, beautiful, wonderful, and wounded part. And, and as we start, Drew, I just am going to invite you to see if there's any objections or concerns about what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just going to remind parts two that just because we've started this exercise or we're filming it doesn't mean that everything has to be revealed. It doesn't mean that the tape ever has to be played. It doesn't mean at all that anyone has to know about any of this. I'm perfectly fine with walking it all back, you know, mm-hmm. totally, you know, taking taking this out if we get into something that parts are like, nope, you know, that's not good. That's not to share. Okay. So just, we got to start with safety here mm-hmm. and we got to start with a sense of felt protection. And I really want to honor your protectors about mm-hmm. how they're doing and check in with them just to see if we've got any concerns. 
Mm-hmm. Well, hearing you say that definitely boosts my sense of safety, helps my stomach to relax. And I do have one part coming up that is concerned about my appearance. Yeah. Yeah. And does that make sense to you, Drew, in your innermost self? Does can you, yeah. can you resonate with that concern? Okay. Yeah. Because part yeah. of part of the issue here is my sense of anxiety about my physical appearance. Okay. And also knowing that people will see me and see this side of who I am. And they might not like what they see. Yeah. Can that part of you that's got that concern, can that part see you, Drew? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm going to invite that part to look at you. And I'm going to invite you to look at that part. Okay, something, something, something's going on. Something's happening inside. <sighs> this part of me is like a makeup artist. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It makes so much sense. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it spends a lot of time in front of the mirror. Mm-hmm. And it is telling me that it's learning to like me and what I look like. Yeah. Well, let's, let's try this Drew. I'm just going to invite you to let that part know that if it feels like it has to put a mask on, it can do that. Yeah. We're not going to stop that. You know? Yeah. There's other ways that we can work if it's in, if that part's interested, but we're not trying to strip away anything that it, knows makeup artist you are allowed to put a mask on me yep if and when you feel the need yep i'm glad you're here you Mm. have helped me thank you and also i really appreciate the time earlier this year when we decided to take off the zoom filter that enhances my appearance (laughs) Um, yeah that was a mask that you and I chose to take off and at first it felt exposed (laughs) and different and now it just feels normal and I want to say thank you that's been such a healing step for me I'm just going to invite you to 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 notice Drew if that part's able to take it in that part's able to Uh take in uh, what you've just offered yeah yeah Okay. Yeah, it does say that I probably would look a little better with the Zoom <laughs> filter on sometimes. And and it's right here when needed. Yeah. So we have permission to move forward. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm just going to invite you to notice if there's anything up in your body, Drew, that um, anything that you're noticing, any trailhead, 
-hmm. about other concerns from other parts. There's also the manager who meticulously edits these videos and podcasts <laughs> every week <laughs> that has a temptation to want to uh, go in and pick and prune all the little parts of this that I might want to smooth out um, and work with my video editor to make it a great experience for listeners. But that's not what this is about today. And I do, I do sense like we have permission to go forward with that as well. Well, my collaborator part really resonates with that because that's the part of me that edits my stuff. So totally like stinking up right here. Totally get it. Oh man. <laughs> totally get it. Yeah. 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 So um and though you know those decisions can can all be made you know together in post production. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, there's reasonable courses of action all over the place with that afterwards. So. Yeah, my system is saying we're ready to go. Okay. So that was kind of the, the opening, right? So here in this, we're sort of setting the stage to do some work. You know, we... And the thing I really wanted to, to, to just draw some attention to is the importance of safety, the importance of a felt sense of safety and protection. You know, it can't just be actual safety and actual protection. It's, it's, it's gotta be felt. It's gotta be sensed. And not just by one part or two parts or three parts, but we'd like that sense of safety to extend to all the parts that are present in the moment. And so, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I was um, just sort of curious if you could share with us a little bit. I know that I was really hoping to be able in those moments to connect with you, Drew, you know, just around that sense of safety. Yeah, watching that video, part of me feels a little impatient. Mm -hmm. Like, can't we just get on with the work? Can't we just do this thing that we came here to do? Mm -hmm. And yet, in the end, I really appreciated it. Like, it was, it was very safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if it felt redundant, even if it was like going over this again, oh, there's another part coming up and another part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, Brown and Elliot in their 2016 book, Attachment to Disturbances in Adults, talk about how that first primary condition of secure attachment is a felt sense of safety and protection. And so this is where we really need to start. And if we overdo it a little bit, that's better than underdoing it a little bit. George McDonald, he said, few delights can equal the mere presence of one whom we trust utterly. You know, so this importance of trust, this, imp this importance of being able to be, um, to be connected with, right? Parts are like little children. They need the presence of someone that they can trust. And one of the ways that Richard Schwartz characterizes internal family systems is as attachment theory taken inside. 
where the innermost self can be the secure attachment figure for the parts. And in beginning to work with you, Drew, I really wanted my innermost self to be able to be like an auxiliary attachment figure, somebody that your parts could trust, you know, as far as being able to um, to have a sense of safety, you know, to, to sense that there isn't an agenda, you know, that would be harmful to any of your parts. And this particular situation required extra trust because it's such a loaded topic, something I had never really explored before, much less in public. So there's all these <laughs> reasons why extra trust was needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is why we had to be ready to scrap the whole thing as far as the recording and all of that. That all had to be, we had to be very detached from any agendas regarding any of that, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was really sort of monitoring that with um, with my parts. And because you had so much self-energy kind of going into this, it's really clear that you had done some work with your parts. Um, this wasn't just your first, you know, experience of your parts, but that you had, you had, you know, good relationship with them, you know, because you had that going in, it just made it so much, so much easier uh, to be able to, 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 uh, to be together in that. Yeah. So, Maybe a little background. I had read some books on IFS. I had received some IFS counseling, and I was also deep into healing from sexual addiction. So all of that is is part of this. Somebody who's just randomly, or not randomly, but a little bit earlier in their process, <laughs> maybe would not intuitively know that for example in dealing with the makeup artist okay this is a part of me it, it blessed me i need to i need to right, right. acknowledge that and honor that right. while also letting it go you know so what we're trying to say is don't expect that your intake interviews are going to look just like this <laughs> <laughs> when you're working with a brand new with a brand new client for example you know yeah yeah and then parts, just an invitation for parts, and we're going to get into this a little bit, a lot more in the next segment, but for parts to be seen, heard, and understood, you know, we're setting the stage for parts to be seen, heard, and understood. That's the second of Brown and Elliot's primary conditions for secure attachment. And so, yeah, is it, should we just open it up for a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of discussion here or some questions, Drew? Does that sound good for you? Yeah. Okay. Great. If anybody would like to raise an electronic hand or um, or uh, uh, an actual hand, um, you know, we can certainly open a bit of a conversation if there's something that y'all would like to to bring up. So, or we can put a question in the chat too if there's something that folks would like to know from there. Beautiful comment from uh, from Catherine Drew. You are so brave to do this. Really generous. Um, thank you. Yeah. Okay, great. And let's see. Um, Brittany, yes. Could yeah, could you yeah, let us know. Yeah. Um yes, I I echo what um Catherine just said. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and um allowing us to be able to learn from you. Just wondering as we continue to watch this tonight and checking ourselves to do you and i hope i'm understanding correctly <clears throat> but how would i 
kind of deal with my parts as I'm trying to learn from you, Dr. Malinowski, and also try to understand <laughs> you know, I, how, how do you recommend, because there's this like dynamic, right? Of me right. wanting to learn, right. but then not getting too much in my own head, right? So that makes sense. You know, I think the most important thing, if, if, if you can do it, is to just spend some time with your parts, you know, and just kind of get to know your own parts. The, 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 because when we're in an environment like this, where like there's really deep work going on, it provides a kind of window or a portal sometimes into our own system. Sometimes our protectors can relax a little bit or other times parts that were resonating with what was going on in the demo might be able to be a little more apparent. And so it's an opportunity then to just kind of be able to notice them and to uh, connect with them, to listen to them, uh, maybe write down what you're learning. So, um, so that's what I would say about that. Yeah. yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Thank you. You have lots of options, you know, you have lots of options to be able to, um, to be able to, uh, um, what am I trying to say here? To, to, yeah, experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, let's go ahead and um, unless there's something else, we'll go ahead and move on because that would leave us a little more time for some of the later parts of it when we've experienced a little bit more. So I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and play some more. And what we'll do is we're going to go ahead for about another 21 minutes and see this next part where we really are getting in touch with more parts. And there's a quote from Ashley Ford, her book, Somebody's Daughter, a memoir, where one of the characters says, I wanted to be seen, but I didn't want to be watched. I wanted to be seen, but I didn't want to be watched. And so there's this really gentle way that Drew was able to, to really be with his parts. Okay, so I'm just going to invite you, Drew, just to notice we got calm, we got compassion. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. I wouldn't say we have complete calm. Okay, all right. I notice myself shaking a little bit. Okay, can we just check in with the shaking? Yeah. I'm just really kind of curious about that. Yeah. You know, again, we're not rushing anything, you know, in this kind of work, it's so important to build the trust. If we build trust with one part, and if that's all that happens in this exercise, we have made huge progress. Yeah. Right. So no part left behind. I'm curious about the shaking. I invite you into that curiosity too. Yeah, this part of me that's shaking was hurt, was injured, and never processed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. Never had anyone even know this story. Right. So there's a whole nother story here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm curious if, um, if you can connect with that part 
and just yeah. see what that part needs is if it's connected to what we're doing now if we need to change mm -hmm. direction if that's what's best if if there's some way that that part would like to work with that in another yeah. context i mean we're open to a lot yeah. of different ideas here yeah about what would be best and i don't know what that is but i know that we can find it this part is telling me i want to be seen i want to be yeah. known it's time okay yeah okay all right and other parts are good with the mm -hmm. idea of you know making a little change in direction here yeah okay okay just want to make sure that parts can speak up if they feel the need yeah 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 when i was in third grade living in mexico city On weekdays after school, my sister and I used to ride our bikes around the little cul-de-sac where we lived, just me and her. And I would create a little route around the sidewalk and the manholes and go around and around. I used to call it Drew's Fun Ride. <laughs> and then my little sister created her own and she called it lauren's funny fun 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 ride <laughs> and, and i said hey you're copying me and we would go around and around in the cul-de-sac until one day i fell on my bike mm -hmm. and i face planted in the asphalt and i have this one little flash of memory of standing up not knowing what's happening but my mouth is bleeding and and my mother is terrified wondering what what's happening to my brand new adult teeth um, and the next thing I remember I'm in a hospital room or in an emergency room or something I'm lying on the bed um, doctor or dentist is looking into my mouth, inspecting it. And I remember my mom saying like, how bad is it? What does he need? And he said, well, he's probably gonna need headgear or some corrective work done, but the headgear stands out to me. And I didn't know what that was. It was frightening. It was confusing. It was terrifying. I was like, what is that? I, I remember eventually finding out that it's it's when braces are coupled with a wire that goes around your head um, and it looks really awkward and inconvenient and unattractive and I remember just dreading that one day I would have to wear one of those things every day and and that's the story that this part wanted me to share. Yeah. And does that part recognize, does it sense that you've heard what it needs you to, to hear? Or is there something behind it? And you don't have to share it with us. You, know, you don't have to share it with me. But if there's something about that, about the meaning, that just seems like there was also a shame 
Yeah. A really deep shame that yeah. came with the fear. Yeah. And being singled out as the only kid with headgear. Remember one of my deepest wishes was to have my first kiss. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who's going to kiss the boy with headgear? Mm -hmm. All of these worst case scenarios were going through my head as an eight-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you feeling the shame in your body? Just curious, Drew. I feel it in my heart. Mm-hmm. I have this image of a skull and crossbones. Mm -hmm. Like there's death associated with this shame. Yeah. And does this part carry the shame, the one that we've connected with here, or is it protecting against the shame? Can you tell me a little more about the relationship? I'm not sure. All right. That's okay. I, it, it's more something to ask the part. Just see if the part would be willing. And again, not necessarily for us to know. We can, you know, choose. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I'm asking the part, are you protecting anyone? And I'm getting a message Again, that this is not the first time my mouth has been harmed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Even as a five-year-old, I was forced to kiss the older women in my family. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so much shame. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, Drew, if you can hold that shame and experience it, but not be overwhelmed. Just let me know if. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm right. close to crying. Yeah. And if, if you cry, we'll work with that too. But I'm going to ask that part not to overwhelm you with mm -hmm. the shame. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because turning the shame to... down to like 50%. Yeah. Is that okay? Is that a good yeah. level? Yeah. yeah. And can the part still see you? Mm -hmm. Just ask. Just ask. Can you see mm -hmm. the part? Yeah. Mm -hmm. can you, then you can be in relationship. Mm -hmm. Then you can be in relationship. Because if it gets too close and it floods and takes you over, then we lose the relationship. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. I see a five year old little Drew with yeah. a bright pink lipstick mark on his cheek. Yep. Because that's how it rolls, isn't it, back then? Yeah. Another feeling coming up of anger being so protective. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense for you that a part might be angry. Mm -hmm. Part might want to protect here or something. Yeah. Let's see if that part can give you some space though, just to yeah. see if we can, if the part needs to know, you can let them know that it's, 
2022. We're not, we're not not back, back then. Okay. It's over now. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. We're working with the memory here. Yeah. Yeah. Got some space. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. A lot of appreciation for that part that holds the anger for you. Mm-hmm. A lot of gratitude for all that's done to protect you and for the space that it's given you now. And I'm wondering if the part can tell you, share with you what it needs what it needs you to know about the story of being kissed in that way being invaded in a sense in that way by these by these women relatives felt disgusting mm-hmm. i felt trapped mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet obligated. This is what a good boy does. I was the only boy on my dad's side of the family, the only grandson. Mm-hmm. And they felt they had the right mm-hmm. to my face, to my mouth even when I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me. Now the sexual part is wanting to speak. Okay. And let's just, let's just slow it down a little bit here and see mm-hmm. if this is a good place for that part, you know, that's, born the kisses if it can if it Mm. can if it's in a good place for us to switch for a little bit Mm. or if it needs something before that yeah yeah it needs a little more time okay (laughs) let's so let's check back with the part that you were going to work with originally the sexual part to see if that's okay if we can have a little time yeah right we can work together here okay Great. Yes. A lot of collaboration and cooperation here among your parts. It's really beautiful, Drew. Thank you. So this little boy (laughs) he wants me to know that he really likes being kissed by his dad on the cheek. Mm -hmm. It feels so different. Mm -hmm. It feels safe. affectionate, mutual. And at times he likes it with his mom when his mom is not wearing makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's not being marked by it. Yeah. Not, not having the other leave a mark. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling that. And it's as if the lipstick mark is slowly dissolving. Yeah. 
They don't have a claim on you. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a claim on you. Your body belongs to you. Yes. Hmm. He's coming in for a big hug. All right. All right. I was about to say I'm giving him a big virtual hug, but this is a physical embodied <laughs> hug right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let him, this is a moment we don't want to rush through. Okay. Let him take in this, this boy, this part of you has waited a long time to be able to connect with you. So we really want him to have the time to take this in. You are a beautiful boy. Sometimes there's a cost. It has been used against you and you have turned against your own beauty. It has not been safe for you to like yourself. but you're always trying. <laughs> you can stop trying. It's okay. I like you just the way you are. And I don't need you. I don't need to use you. It's a good thing for you to have boundaries. He's just telling me thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He likes having boundaries. Sometimes he feels <laughs> guilty for having boundaries. Well, let him know that you can help him navigate those boundaries. Yeah. You know, that he doesn't have to figure all that out on his own. That's too much for a little, a little part to have to manage mm -hmm. on his own. Yeah. Yeah, that stands out to me. He shouldn't have had to create his own boundaries. He's five years old. No. no, he's a hero for having stepped in to take it, you know, to keep it from overwhelming your whole system. Mm -hmm. He's the one that stepped into the breach. 
and stepped up to handle the intensity of all of this so that you could continue to function in the world, so that other parts were shielded from the intensity of the experiences and the violation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this part of me has the feeling of either no boundaries or extreme boundaries. Mm -hmm. Well, five years old, all or nothing, <laughs> pretty common. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty human. Gotta mm -hmm. say, yeah. And sometimes that five year old is taking over the 30 year old. Oh, yeah. Times when I don't have enough boundaries and then I just shut down at one point or another completely cut off sometimes. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I want to honor that little boy. I'm here to help you. Does he have a favorite color? Blue. <laughs> and if you ever write in your parts journal and he wants to say something, could you write it in blue? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you, if you would like that, if that he knew that blue was his voice, hmm. I don't know if he'd like that, but yeah. He wants me to write it with his left hand so that it will look like a little kid writing. <laughs> All right. All right. Beautiful. Is this a settled place for him to be right now? Yeah, I'm seeing him together with the eight-year-old. Okay. They've got their arms around each other. Okay. Seeing the connection there. Well, parts can love each other if they are in right relationship with the self. That's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a little pause there to just be able to come back together and, and to be to be present with each other. And I'm curious, like about just kind of checking in with your own parts to see what they were experiencing. And we have a little space here, a little bit of silence, a little bit of connection for you to be able to just, you know, wrap up any work that you've been doing with your own parts for this piece of it. There are a few things that I really wanted to kind of bring out. The importance of Drew really being with his parts in a loving way. You know, his parts being seen, heard, understood by his innermost self it was so, so important. The importance of working really gently with shame. Shame is such a common, 
underlying burden. Such a very powerful one. We talked about the importance of boundaries, how difficult those can be to navigate when parts are really young. Um, we had some themes about titrating the intensity of the emotional experience, contracting with parts to, to not overwhelm so that we can maintain that sense of safety because we always want to bear in mind that that sense of of safety. And then this idea of appreciating parts for the good that they're trying to bring us and to, to have this sort of experience of cooperation and collaboration among parts, parts working collaboratively, cooperatively under the leadership and guidance of the innermost self. Those were sort of really main themes that just wanted to kind of bring out um, and you know my own experience of this when when we are when we were doing it is to really um to just really be with drew as he was with himself to be a support for drew drew's innermost self as he connects with his parts as he's creating a sense of safety for them as he's being that secure attachment figure for them as he is seeing them hearing them knowing them understanding them as he's reaching out to them in love so i'm really i'm really just there to support drew doing his work you know i've got to really be in a in a secondary role in this kind of work because i'm not seeking to be the internal attachment figure for drew's parts primarily he's not he doesn't need that his parts are on an adventure to discover who his innermost self is and he his innermost self is on an adventure to discover who his parts are you know in a really deep way so so there's a lot of for me in this how can i be small how can i get out of the way of that really happening so that was my monologue <laughs> it was longer than i had intended it to be drew i just just really on my heart to hear whatever you know you might feel like needs to be said what your parts would like you to speak for them or what what's coming on your heart so i'm in awe of how you guided me through that <laughs> especially when shame was really getting intense you brought me back to regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also amazing because in our other conversations, you mentioned that you had some experiences that got triggered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm having emotions going on like, 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 uh, like, like with some intensity is this. Uh, I, I can feel it in the, the second, the second round as we watch this again, just the sense of awe, you know, and a sense of beauty and a sense of tenderness for your parts and for my parts that are resonating. Cause there are parts of me, like my little one, I call this part of me, my little one who bears shame in my system resonating, you know, with the counterpart, you know, that was carrying the shame for you. You know, and so, 
you know, that part was just close to my heart and close by me. And it's like, yep, we remember, we know something about what that's like, even though my situation was different, you know, didn't have the exact same kinds of, you know, setups or experiences you did. There's a lot of commonality. And so I'm listening to my parts that are in relationship with me, my innermost self. And they're also letting me know, hey, this is this is what might be going on, you know, in this moment. Um, and so sometimes in IFS circles, there can be this sort of impression, I think, that it's just the innermost self. It's just the self that does the therapy. And we really should have our parts sort of all off in some little daycare, you know, uh, the, some sort of internal daycare so that they're not going to get in the way and cause trouble. But as you like as your parts are, are more and more in, in this right relationship with self, as there's more integration, those parts are so able to help in the therapeutic process because they can share what they know from their experience and they can share this, this way of kind of reaching across the space to the other. And so I don't think that the therapy is just done by the innermost self, I think it's the whole of the therapist is ideal, you know, if parts can, if parts can bear that. So the first thing is to be unblended as a therapist. This is in the natural realm, be unblended. And the second thing is the more unburdened you can be, the more parts are then able to participate in a really positive, positive way. Drew, you had something you want to say. We'll get to you, Barbara. I'm glad. I love the enthusiasm. We'll get there. But I wanted to make sure that Drew had some time to like. Yeah. There's there's a part of me that wants to bring up something specific that you shared from your story. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I love it. That's that's okay. Yep. Do it. All right. So you had headgear. Yeah, I had headgear. Absolutely. Absolutely had headgear and wore it in ninth grade. And it was terrible. It was terrible. And I actually had a senior when I was in my freshman year, I had a senior grab onto my headgear, pull it out of the the sockets and release it. You know? Um, so yeah, was, there was some hazing at my high school like that. So yeah, I mean, parts of me that dealt with that shame, uh, that dealt with the violation, you know, in the mouth, you know, so so my parts are connecting on this sort of stuff, allowing me to um, to be really more connected uh, in a way to you, Drew, to your parts, you know? So, yeah. And if that were not resolved in my system, like if that conflict, that particular conflict, if I, if I hadn't worked through that, if that was still like, a, an unresolved trauma, then I wouldn't be able to be with you in that way, which is why it's so critical for, for therapists to do their own internal work, to, to really connect with your parts. Uh, it's really important for your own system, but it's especially important for therapists because of, you know, how, how helpful it is, how good it is if we can be more available and present uh, without having to withdraw or having to defend or having to protect or having to uh, silence or numb or banish parts because uh, it's activating stuff that's unresolved for us. I really do believe that when therapists hit impasses where they get agitated or they lose a sense of peace, 
because of the uh, because of something that's going on in the therapeutic relationship with the client it's not because of the client's actions client can't steal your peace the client is tapping into something that's unresolved within your system and bringing it to the surface so yeah so there was a special kind of connection there I'm glad you brought that up, Drew, because you know what? I wasn't even thinking of that in the moment as we were reviewing it. I certainly was originally, but that was slipping my mind. So, yeah, we were talking about that in the debrief afterward, I think, right? So, yeah. Well, did you have other things, Drew, you'd like to bring up before we... Looks like we have a couple of questions. Yeah, let's, let's hit some of these questions. Barbara, let's, yeah, let's hear yeah i wondered if you could comment about when you're working with parts and then all of well and then something gets triggered and one of the parts or a number of the parts don't feel safe um i assume that you stop and then you try and go back to provide some safety for those parts and to kind of dialogue with them can you comment about that because I'm sure that happens where you're dealing with a number of parts or at least one of the parts and then um, somewhere else a part isn't feeling safe now yeah. and goes hiding and exiling. Immediately after college, I worked in daycare. It was a great experience in a number of ways, but I learned so much about like managing systems, you know. Um, you have to like just sort of it helps to be it helps to be unblended helps to be able to um but i think about like yeah i think about drew's parts as being like a bunch of kids you know and we had a five-year-old we had an eight-year-old and i'm trying to in a sense see them or sense them uh within my own system and that really does it helps most of this is really intuitive kind of like you know for those of you that are moms or dads you know, it's kind of like sometimes you just have a sense that something is needed or something would be helpful. It's, and that's where I think I can be most in the flow of therapy. There are protocols within IFS, for example, that can give some guidance on that. But yeah, I'm just, I'm really sensing first off safety. That's the first thing, you know, uh, all right. And sometimes parts don't feel safe and they depart. And I don't feel like I have to necessarily go after them. They might, be just regulating their own their own in their own way at that time but that's kind of a judgment call but if we were like you saw at one point we were going to switch from one part to another part and i wanted to just check out if that was okay with the first part so i'm trying to work collaboratively with the parts yeah that might address a question that i've had coming up one of the things that i have a hard time with sometimes when i'm doing parts work. And this might be a little bit of a beginner question, so I'm sorry about that, or excuse yeah. me, I guess in that way. But sometimes it seems like the parts are interrupting each other a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and it's a little bit like mom and many children, you know, they, they don't let each other talk. And I, I have a trouble tracking sometimes where we are. And then do I need to go back? And I get a little muddled up. And, <laughs> and I was having that experience a little bit while I was watching this session and thinking, you know, how much tracking do I need to be, you know, a little map or something? What do I, what would help? <laughs> so if you could speak into that, I, that would sure. be helpful. Sure. So if that happens, the first thing I would say is it's okay. 
it's okay if that happens and it's okay if I get a little muddled. There's a lot of times when I'm doing work and I don't know really everything that's going on. There's a lot of times where I don't have a, a totally clear grip on, um, on, on where this is going or what's going to be happening. And that's okay. The most important thing I can offer Drew is to be with him. And if you think about what little kids need when they're distressed, they need somebody to be with them. You know, so if I can be with them and Drew can be with them, you see a lot of settling down right there. When little kids have a sense that somebody's trying to do something to them, you know, where there's an agenda, you know, and you know, there's a blend with an active manager part, you know, that's that's trying to make something happen or just trying to stop something from happening or trying to force something, you know, that doesn't help them feel safe. It doesn't help them feel seen and heard and known and understood. That doesn't help them feel reassured or calmed. So a lot of it has to do with the presence, Sarah. Uh, just the presence. You're saying attend first and organize later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can this do isn't that. this the IFS does have some protocols like the six Fs and things like that. They're more guidelines. Mm -hmm. It's really more about the being with than the way that I think about it. Thank you. That was helpful. Yeah. And and Drew, we had a question in the chat. Did you have any idea where this was going to go, or was this all a surprise to you? I I knew that it was connected to the the story of an accident on my bike. And that was a, a recent discovery for me, but I hadn't explored it at all. So I came into this thinking, right, I know that there's a story and it has to do with this, but I'm not going to try to work through it. I'm going to wait till Peter and I do this session and, and let him guide me through it. I didn't know where it would go other than that. Right. It, it started when I was reading more about how sexual fantasies and unwanted fetishes develop. And one of the, one of the things that struck me in, in what I was reading was it said that oftentimes it happens for children with physical illnesses or like, um, like injuries. And I was like, have I had any injuries? Oh, there was that one time. And that's what started this whole thing. Not that this is not that this is some kind of formula, right? Because <laughs> it's not. It, there's, it's not like there's a, a cause and effect. It's more like many contributing factors. And, it, it, and what mattered was the way that I experienced all of that inside. Mm -hmm. And that's why this was so helpful. It wasn't. It wasn't like some kind of laboratory dissecting my fantasy it was like <laughs> let's spend some time with it instead of dissecting the frog spending time with the frog you know? <laughs> yeah absolutely um can you repeat what you said you said sexual fantasies or unwanted what were connected to literature regarding injuries uh, uh fetishes attractions so 
the specific the specific book I was reading was The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Doidge, and he was talking about neuroplasticity. And I think he has a chapter in there about neuroplasticity and and sexuality and arousal. And that's that's what I was reading at the time. Thank you. Welcome. And we had a comment in the chat from somebody who's really getting into the observer role here, you know, that age 58, I finally came to understand something really important about my 17 year old part. She carried shame and unworthiness for 41 years. That situation at age 17 was overwhelming and it wasn't her fault. It was life changing, you know? So these, you know, going back to what you said at the very beginning of the, uh, of the video, Drew, so much of this is not about sex. It's not about, you know, it's not about what it looks like on the surface. Yeah. And I would add, it's also not about identity. Sometimes <laughs> when we're talking about these things, it's like, is this who I am? <laughs> well, this is a part of me. Right. 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 So I have a part that's a sort of timekeeping and kind of wants to head on so that we can kind of, you know, watch more of it and have some time at the end. This next uh, section is going to be about uh, 27 minutes. And, um, you know, we're going to we're going to be um, looking at, you know, parts also feeling comforted, soothed and reassured. That's Brown and Elliott's third primary condition for secure attachment. So let's go ahead and can I just say that oh, even yeah. if we ended it right now, this was already a great experience. Even if nothing else <laughs> happened after this point in the video. Yeah, it seems like seems like we're all ready to begin engaging with the thirteen year old. Or the sexual part. All right. All right. And I'm just going to invite you to notice anything that comes up in your body as we consider engaging with the 13 year old. Just to see. I feel something in my gut. Uh huh. My stomach. It feels like if, a warning, like a warning sign. Okay. Okay. So if that sensation in your gut could speak, just going to invite you to listen into what it would say. What's the message there? Saying be cautious. Mm-hmm. You can share in moderation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have to share everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And frankly, just to be clear, I don't expect to hear everything. I don't expect to know everything. I don't need to know everything. I actually don't need to know most things. It's not important that I know. It's important that you know. Yes. The relationship here that we're really developing is between that 13-year-old part 
and you as Drew, the innermost mm-hmm. self. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be in, I don't want to get in the way of that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. if this does, you know, be published, the audience doesn't need to get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. No one is entitled to that. Mm. No one is entitled to know. So if there is, mm. if it's helpful to share, share. Mm-hmm. Okay. If parts are good with that. Yeah. If it's helpful to keep it private, keep it private. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. I'm just curious about how that's settling with your body now. What are you noticing about the sensation in your gut? Before the gut was like a six. Now it's probably a three. Okay. Anything else that would be helpful to the part there that's behind that trailhead? Hmm. I'm getting curious about it. Yeah, there's some, maybe something else. I'm maybe not. Mm. I don't know. Hold it lightly, but yeah, if there's anything else that that part needs from you or needs from me, you know, mm. I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So. The the second message is be kind. <laughs> yeah. Be kind to this tender, very deep sexual arousal that's really close to my heart. Yeah. It's not who I am, and it's a part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I talk, I need to not only be cautious, but just be very kind in the way that I represent this part. Let that part know you're hearing that. Mm. And you can also let that part know that I'm hearing it too, and I will be mindful about kindness as well as caution. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Caution and kindness. Mm. I can do that. Yeah. Yes, you can. You have, Drew, you have what you need to be both cautious and kind. Mm-hmm. Feeling my breath moving in and out of that area, my stomach. There's some movement, flexibility, still some tension. Mm-hmm. The tension is not impeding the breath. Okay. Well, for that part to know, the part that's, you know, generating that stomach sensation to know that it can get in touch with us. It can let us know mm-hmm. if it feels like this is veering off course in some way. <laughs> yeah. And that will work slowly and gently in addition to kindly and cautiously. You know? Sounds good. Yeah. When I was 13 I was fascinated with braces and all the different 
the places other kids had in their mouths. Mm-hmm. And I masturbated specifically to the girls in my class with braces. And I remember in some of the the videos or the images that I used to look up, I was especially aroused by headgear. Mm-hmm. And that turned up the volume of my arousal so powerfully. Mm-hmm. So much energy and charge when I could see both the reality of the headgear and also how it was affecting the person. Mm-hmm. And if they felt insecure or ashamed, that was also adding to the sexual feeling of mm-hmm. wanting to look at it, mm-hmm. dwell on it, mm-hmm. fixate on it. I remember having this internal conflict of, of wanting to get braces myself and see what that felt like and also being repulsed and wanting to never have to go through that. And having that question haunt in my mind, was that doctor right? Was that dentist right? Mm-hmm. That was so central in the types of pornography and fantasy that became appealing to me. Yeah. People generally know about this fetish, but not the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that 13 year old boy makes a whole lot of sense when I see him next to the eight year old and the five year old. Yeah. My heart goes out to him. Yeah. I feel this flood of compassion higher in my chest, more closer, closer to my center. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever realized that some of my specific sexual struggles actually related to childhood and what a breakthrough that was for me. (laughs) I'm wondering if that 13 year old can look at you, Drew, if he's not yet looking at you, if that's okay, or if that's too much. Right now he's looking off to the side. Okay. All right. And I'm just going to invite you to 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 sense what he needs right now mm-hmm. how much space if he needs a word or not a word and just be with him mm-hmm. i have a sense that he needs some things from me that are just between him and me absolutely just between him and you Let's give that time. Hmm. 
Let him take in whatever he needs to take in from you, and we don't rush it. We've a lot of time here. Kindness and gentleness and caution. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He can see you. Yeah. He'll sense you. Yeah. You can sense yeah. him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This teenage Drew has been the hardest for me to love. Mm. And also the most hardened to receive love. And in this moment, we built a little bit of trust. <laughs> yeah. I needed to just be with him. Mm -hmm. He was kind of incredulous that I'm just here for him. I'm like, yeah, there's no one else here. It's just you and me. Yeah. In this in this space. And I'm not here to laugh at him. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to lick him. Mm -hmm. And both of those things have happened to him. Mm -hmm. Specifically related to these stories. I don't condemn him for his choices. Mm -hmm. I feel the need to protect what some of his choices were. Or at least the need to be cautious about how much I share. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Does he know that when he's met you before, you've been blended with other parts? I don't think so. Yeah, you might see how that lands with him if it seems like a good thing to, to let him know that. Because yeah. a lot of times parts are not familiar with mm -hmm. the unblended self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I have been blended with parts. Yeah. Sometimes I have related to you as my true self mm -hmm. and with Jesus. Mm. And that was awesome. And other times it has not been that way. I wonder what it would be like, Drew, if if it seemed right, if it seemed good, what it would be like for him to receive an apology. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, he would really like that. 
And I'm wondering how that is for your system, if that's something that parts, you know, could, could get on board with, or if there's something that seems wrong about that, or... there's any cautions or hesitations about about it it seems right yeah well in whatever way seems to be good for the both of you mm -hmm. and for your whole system just going to invite that to unfold mm -hmm. for you all Thirteen-year-old Drew. I am sorry for rejecting you, treating you with hostility, being embarrassed, I'm sorry for keeping you all alone where no one could love you for many years. Thank you for giving me this time with you today. Giving me a chance to see you. To appreciate you. You are a part of me and you belong with me. That word belong feels big. Big. All right, let's stay with that word. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's let that word make the change that's needed right now. Belong. The phrase keeps repeating in my mind, I belong. Mm -hmm. And also Taylor Swift song, you belong with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Feels good he, to belong. Yeah. Yeah. He can come home. <sighs> he can come home. He was searching for symbols of that belonging every day after school on the internet. Mm hmm. The feeling of belonging through masturbating to these images. Yeah. But it was further exiling him. Taking me away from my life. Yeah. 
Let's stay with the good he was seeking for a minute, if we can, <laughs> in those images, if it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, totally. Just in case there's any parts that are concerned about that, we can mm -hmm. tune into them. But if it's okay to just see mm -hmm. what good mm -hmm. he was seeking for you in yeah. these images. Yeah. Well, part of what I said was arousing was the humiliation of the other person. Mm -hmm. And I see a symbol of safety in that. Yeah. Oh, this is, a, this is someone who gets it. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is someone oh, who yeah. gets it. Okay. This is somebody who I can connect with uh -huh. <laughs> because they know what it's like to be humiliated, uh -huh. especially in their face or their mouth. Uh -huh. And this is somebody who's not going to humiliate me. Yeah. That resonates very deeply. Yeah. And it wasn't always even braces. It could even be glasses. Somebody mm -hmm. wearing glasses could have a similar effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not about the headgear. It's mm -hmm. not about the braces. It's about the experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Would it be okay for him to share whatever he feels he needs to share about that experience with you, Drew? Mm -hmm. If that would be okay. That would be okay. Yeah. Is there any kind of concern about that among other parts if this part were to just no, there's a lot of curiosity. Like, I wonder, yeah. what's he going to say? Well, you got a lot of self-energy in your system right now. There's a lot of recollection here, and your parts are doing an amazing job mm. with the space. So yeah. a lot of a lot of beautiful space here from your parts doing such a wonderful job. Celebrating all you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in awe. This is this is beautiful. And and I'm just gonna see if. I was just curious if that part could share it with you and if it could be conceivable for that part to let it go. If there would be a, a way that that part would, if that would be something of interest to that part, we don't want to rush things, but the idea that maybe this, maybe this is a burden. Yeah. What do you want me to know? 13 year old Drew. Yeah, just let him tell you all about it. Hmm. He's telling me that it's not all trauma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. When I started doing all of these things. It was after my family had moved from Toronto in Canada to mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas. And um, he's reminding me that in Toronto, I had some really wonderful first get to know you encounters with girls. Seventh mm -hmm. grade felt safe. It was fun. Mm -hmm. I, I was able to be myself and 
they really wanted to know me and we had a, a good first few <laughs> times getting to know each other and and they all had braces mm -hmm. yeah and so i remember after moving many of my first orgasms were thinking about those three girls specifically mm -hmm. and um and so he's reminding me that it wasn't just the trauma behind right. Right. behind this arousal, but there was actually something beautiful and good yeah. that I lost that he's reconnecting with. Yeah. Even right. after moving, this must have been 2006, we had like Windows Messenger her instant messenger <laughs> and i used to be sending messages to these girls after school just trying to hold on to this connection that i couldn't find in mm. our new home mm. place where i never belonged and so i'm being reminded of of the goodness too yeah <laughs> not just the pain that's behind yeah. it but the pleasure that that was actually healthy and developmentally appropriate and like, oh my gosh, of course you would have enjoyed that and, and longed to be back there. Yeah. And we can separate things out. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to lump it all together and just have it be a great big ball of whatever, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, let's, Let's appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of goodness. <laughs> there's a lot of beauty in why he is attracted to this specific theme. Right. Girls with braces. There's an association there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have this image in my head of like a sifting or a separation mm -hmm. that maybe could happen of separating what I want to keep with what I want to let go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing this with my two hands. So I've got in my left hand what I want to keep, my right hand what I want to let go. Mm -hmm. Just going with it. Mm-hmm. In my left hand, I want to keep beauty. Yes. And I want to keep friendship. I want to keep belonging and safety. And I want to keep myself. I want to keep my story. And in my other hand, I want to let go of braces. And headgear mm -hmm. in connection with that. Yeah. I want to let go of the mental images and, and fantasies and, and the self-stimulation. that I used to do as a way of settling for a, a symbol of that, the real thing. 
I'm going to let go of, of the counterfeit. Hmm. Can that 13-year-old see the real in the one hand? And can the 13-year-old see that all of the goodness from the other hand has been kept? <laughs> that it's true. Yeah. yeah, is that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to tell them about what we have now that I'm 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he might not know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, we're going to take a little break now and just kind of review um, what that was like. Now, I had tears in my eyes again, Drew. Um, you know, it's kind of going through. It really got me in the first moment was uh, the apology. You know, the apology to your 13-year-old part. I mean, that's just still... One of my clients used to say, hits me in the feels. That hits me in the feels. Like, that hits me right, you know, where, you know, parts of me have experienced, um, you know, apology and repair after rupture with, you know, my innermost self and so forth. So there's a lot happening for me in that. Uh, and just such a privilege to be with you uh, in that moment. Um, as you are in such a beautiful way, uh, reconciling with your own, your own parts and, and just how your parts are responding to that with such an openness and willingness to reconnect and, and just felt very privileged to be on that sacred ground, you know, to be a, a part of that, you know, um, as, as you were able to do that work. So yeah, it was just really a gift to me. So that was really, that was a big, a big moment. That was a big moment for me. Really powerful. So. Yeah, there's a lot happening. And we've been here for almost two hours. So <laughs> I want to be sensitive to any exhaustion. That, yeah, you know, people no, can be taking a breaks too. If you need to go or whatever. I thought about scheduling a break, but I thought oh, people can go when they need to, you know, if they need to. Take a little bio break or something too. How are you doing? Are you holding out? Um, is this you good with this? Okay, good. Because there's a lot, a lot happening just in even reviewing it. So, did you have something that you wanted to to share, Drew, or something you wanted to ask? Or, well, one one thought. Over and over again, I see the power is in the particularity. <laughs> There's so much power in the particularity um, of, of what I'm sharing. I don't even want to get specific about it now as I'm yeah, saying it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's one thing to talk about a vague, unwanted sexual behavior or or, or porn in general or fantasy in general, but when we get particular that's that's where the power is yeah and the particularity also is so connected to those particular life experiences too <laughs> you know it's not just 
abuse in general or puberty in general. It was it was very specific stuff. I'm hearing you say the story has to have details. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really helped it make sense and resonate. And, mm-hmm. and that's not really specific to me. I would say that's no. true for all parts. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree. We don't want, because if you, if it's everything's in vague generalities, then how much is one known or seen or heard, you know, I mean, there's gotta be enough detail. And then I just love the way that you were able to um, navigate, like what could be shared and what couldn't be, because so much of this, um, so much of this uh, could be just private. You know, you have the permission to for it to just be private, you know, so. Yeah. You want to open it up? Where did you have other things that you looks like there's a question from Marina? Yeah. So how do you get to have the client connect and express their appreciation, gratitude or validation and compassion and to say it out loud to clients that are quiet in general and thus as thus as this example drew new kind of knew what he was doing? So I would say, again, it, there's a sort of feeling about that. So much of this is really intuitive. And so I'm kind of listening to what my parts are saying, or really more sensing it. I think parts often are really surprised when they are appreciated for their good intentions and for their attempts, even if some of those may be maladaptive or even harmful. But like, when you could express true appreciation for your 13 year old part and the good that he was trying to hold on to, once we were able to separate out like the good things that it wasn't all trauma, that there were good things here, man, that's important. You know, yeah, that's important. That was, that was a big moment for me too, because sometimes Sometimes I can think trauma is the root of everything, (laughs) but this part was reminding me, well, not, not always. (laughs) Yeah. And being able to bless some of the positive experiences that were behind this attachment and fantasy as well. Yeah. And making, making, you know, recognizing that some of this is counterfeits, you know, like there's an attempt to find something good, but we're being drawn into, we're being lured into, tempted into, impelled towards something that is a dead end. And getting to why, you know, we were able to get back to that original theme of safety. There were, there were, there was this 13 year old that felt safer connecting with images of women, girls with braces, because they wouldn't hurt you. You know, that's just really an important understanding of this, because I think sometimes in certain Christian circles, there can be some really kind of critical parts that come up that just condemn things as sinful or vicious, you know, or vice, you know, vice. And, and then there's all this polarization and, and not an attempt to understand 
what the what the what what the good is being sought and man if we can be gentler about that if we can hear the story first it's it makes it so much easier to be able to keep the good and let go of the things that are burdensome or harmful or unnecessary which is different than a lot of us have been raised different than a lot of us have been taught you know yeah it's very different from either kind of an uncritical acceptance of, <laughs> of whatever my sexual preferences are. And it's also very different from the, the condemnation and purity culture that right. I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it okay that I pipe in right now? Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, go ahead. So one thing I was thinking about is, you know, working with Drew, you have um, a, a patient and who is self-aware, who's done his own work, who's verbal IQ is high, and you were still painstakingly slow and patient. And so for me, that was an excellent reminder of the pace of session and staying careful and cautious. So I really appreciated that. It I is, want to go too fast sometimes. I yeah, want to go too fast. Yeah. yeah. So we have parts that have good intentions that want to move it along. Sometimes when I watch tape of myself doing demos like this, I think, man, this is really slow, <laughs> really slow, uh, especially if I'm not reconnecting with what's actually happening. But in trauma circles, there's this old adage, you know, slow is fast, you know, slow is fast. I mean, we really need to some slow some things down because because parts won't necessarily be able to keep up, you know, those of us that are parents have known what it's like to try to rush kids, you know, to get them ready or whatever. And it gets overwhelming, you know, that goes backwards. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I thought that was great. And even despite the perceived slowness, there's like 10 breakthroughs (laughs) happening one after the other. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not seeing them all, but I'm trusting that because of the degree of recollection, I'm going to say it this way. You don't hear it this way in IFS circles a lot, but because of the love that I'm seeing Drew's innermost self having for his parts and because of the love that I'm seeing among his parts, I, I can just trust that that is going to yield all kinds of beautiful things. And what I'm going to do is get out on the edge of that and help hold a frame and let the rest of that roll inside, you know, without trying to insert myself in there. It's taken me a while to have parts settle into enough humility and trust that that good process will lead to good outcomes, even if I don't know what they are, you know, that I don't have to that I don't have to make it happen myself. Uh, sort of like St. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. I've got to decrease when I'm seeing the innermost self of the one I'm working with rising up. You know, that's a moment to be able in humility to step aside because no one can love Drew in lieu of Drew. Drew needs to love Drew. And I don't want to get in the way of that when that's really happening. And I would love to share what some of the results of this experience have been either now or toward the end. Oh yeah. Let's, um, I, are folks okay with kind of going on now? Uh, we good for going on because what's happened, what happens next is the unburdening. 
you know, so all of this has been really important. If you notice, the unburdening is actually a pretty small part of the session. It's less, it's about a quarter of the session, maybe a little bit more, where we actually are doing sort of a formal unburdening. But the importance of all the what led up to it is what makes the unburdening possible, right? So I think that's why. And this all happened in one session. And by the way, I do want to say this is the, this is like, um, the only time we worked on this deliberately, we had done a couple of podcast episodes before this. So, so Drew and I had met each other and we had done like a group experiential exercise and things like that. But this is the only time that we had actually done this focused kind of focused work on this. And so, um, so at this point, I'm like saying, man, Drew, Drew might be ready to unburden here. I'm going to float an idea, you know, and just see how he responds to that. So. We'll watch how that unfolds, and then we'll have a bunch of time at the end. Well, I mean, we have a lot of options here, Drew. I mean, we could do an unburdening if the part's ready and let go of the other hand. We could go to a retrieval, you know, where we bring him back and, up and do some updating about where he is, where you are in the present day. You know, there's a lot of different ways this can happen. And I really sense that you and he can figure that out. Mm. Really have a lot, so much trust in your, um, just just in where you are right now with him. So, yeah, I'm going with my gut. Well, just ask him. Ask him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just ask okay. him. What do you want to do? Yeah. And he, if, you know, if he knows, and you might need to do a little explaining if he doesn't know what retrieval or unburdening are, you know, but. He says he wants to do an unburdening with a little bit of preparation about what that involves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, does he want you to help him with that? Is there anything that he wants from me? But it's really about letting go. Yeah, who do you want to help you with that? He would like all hands on deck. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm right here in support of you, right? You as Drew, you as the innermost self. And just to let him know that unburdening is about letting go of anything that's not life-giving, mm. anything that's not beautiful, anything that's not love, anything that's not true, anything that's not good for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why that separating work he, he's been doing is so important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he would really like to do that. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of ways to give that up. You know, um, I'm wondering if he has a particular way that comes to him. I can offer, you know, I can offer him some options. You can offer him some options. But is there a way that he would like to send that away? Well, I don't know exactly where this is coming from, but I have this image in my head right now. 
mm-hmm. of a really big, flat, wide desert area mm-hmm. where there's lots of open space. Mm-hmm. And he's got a little box mm-hmm. with something in it. And he wants to let it fly away. All right. All right. Is there anything that seems like would be holding him back from letting him go or letting it all go? Yeah, there's a little bit of fear. Yeah, let's pay attention to that. Okay. What might happen if it were all let go? Yeah, it it seems like the fear is coming from that makeup artist from the beginning. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to slow it down. We're going to let the little part know that there's another part that 13 year old, let the 13 year old part know there's another part that has some concerns and we're going to just check in with that part. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to check in with yeah, the makeup, makeup artist. artist. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about your concerns. So the, the makeup artist is concerned that if we let go of this, and this burden in the box is shame about how I look. Okay. And that's really connected to the story I've told, my teeth, headgear, braces, oh, yeah. girls. Yeah. That was really a lot of what became sexualized. Yeah. And, um, and so it's just concerned that if I let go of the shame, then will I just also just let go of my appearance? Okay. All right. Um, that that shame motivates me to keep myself in good appearance. So. Absolutely. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to invite you to, in a way that seems right and true and good, just address that mm-hmm. with that part. Yeah. You know, really. Yeah. To see if there's another way to maintain what needs to be maintained appearance, health, you know, and so forth without the shame. Might there be an alternative? First, there's kind of a slideshow of eight-year-old Drew um, coming back from that medical room, growing up nine years old, 10 years old, Mm-hmm. Some of my adult teeth are growing in crooked, mm-hmm. becoming anxious about how I look, seeing other kids get braces, 11 years old, 12 years old, mm-hmm. dreading the, the headgear, yet also wanting to enhance my appearance. Mm-hmm. Just eventually, then hitting puberty, all of this happening and 
and shame driving me and just feeling the weight and the burden of that shame, how heavy it is. Yeah. Even though it is motivating me, it is so heavy to carry around. Yeah. It takes so much time. And if I can, if I can let it go, it will be so much easier to take care of myself. <laughs> It'll be so much easier to actually, <laughs> oh my gosh, so much easier to actually feel okay. Yeah, let the makeup artist take that in at whatever, whatever pace is good. Because that's a mm -hmm. lot. That's a major shift mm -hmm. in how this is going to mm -hmm. be okay, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be willing to try another way to see what happens? Mm -hmm. We might let it go and bring it back. That's a possibility. We might let it go and find, wow, <laughs> I feel so much better. Would you be willing to try it? Yeah. Yeah. There are other ways than shame. Mm -hmm. There are other ways. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and would it be good for that part to join the makeup artist to join the 13 year old? Yeah. In the desert? Yeah. Yeah. Go to the and desert. If, if the eight-year-old and the five-year-old, you know, are mm. have stakes in this too, mm. we might we might unburden the whole group of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm serious. I think that's what we're being pulled toward mm. here. Is that there's a lot held here, mm -hmm. and for this to be more complete, we may need to check in just to see if there's other attachments. Which is why I'm so happy, Drew, that you connected with that in your stomach you know because that was such a little clue that we needed <laughs> oh man yeah i was gonna steamroll it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah but instead we slowed down mm -hmm. we want to we want to honor all of our parts welcoming all those lost boys to the desert Mm -hmm. five-year-old 18-year-old 13-year-old welcoming the makeup artist and the, the part of my gut who is advocating for caution and kindness yeah they're all coming around this box and we open it yeah. And it comes out like a, like a dove, like the Holy Spirit coming out, <laughs> uh, flying into the air. And it's like this little wounded bird is now spreading its wings. Um, and the shame is turning into compassion. Mm-hmm. And then it circles back. Mm -hmm. 
comes back to the group. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than it was. Mm. Yet also safe. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now there's this huge dove and each of the little boys is taking a turn riding going for a, a flight. <laughs> like, Give me a chance. Okay. Now I get to take some time with compassion. Now I get to take some time with compassion. <laughs> yeah. Let him take it all in. Yeah. Don't take it all in. Whatever is helpful, Drew, with that transformation. It's as if before they were trying to work on this little wounded shame with like surgery, like trying mm -hmm. to try to fix it, but now it's uh, no longer needing that kind of meticulous perfectionistic attention. It's just providing strength and support. Yeah. Wow. I'm curious about the box, Drew. Is there anything else in the box that might need to be let go? And there may not be, there may not be, but I just, yeah, I was just curious if, yeah, well, there's a part of me that's reminding me there's always more healing work to be done. Okay. There's always more in the box in a way. Okay. Or the, this is not some kind of arrival. And it's a beautiful adventure. <laughs> and, um, and I feel really content okay. with this chapter today. Okay. It feels like parts have taken in compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do they need anything else that they want to take in to replace the shame? Is it really the compassion that we're? And also joy and laughter. Yeah, let's bring in some joy. <laughs> let's bring in some laughter. Wow, yeah. we did it. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's really beautiful. Jesus is there <laughs> celebrating with us. <laughs> yeah. In my imagination, the desert is beginning to sprout some green Bloom. Bloom. a little bit. Yeah. 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 You know, and one thing we could do now or you could do later is just to check in with them again if they need any updating, if they need yeah. to know that you're now married, you have children of your own, you know, just kind of walk them through. That's something that could happen in another, another you know, IFS, you know, part session or something. Yeah. 
and it's probably too soon for that i mean they need they may need to fly for a while and <laughs> yeah. you know so, yeah but just so you know that it that they're that yeah just to bring them up to speed because they may not they may not have any idea you know mm-hmm. it's the nature of those internal disconnects so yeah but now that integration's happened and there's time mm-hmm. to be able to to consolidate all of that. I'm going to invite you to to really work with these parts and to connect with them ideally twice a day even if it's brief mm-hmm. over the next uh next month. Cuz it usually takes about 21 to 28 days to really solidify those new neural pathways that have opened up. You know, there's an there's an embodied aspect of this in the brain just to really keep those so just, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be long, but just just to really be with those parts again, help them to remember what happened, you know, reconnect with them, help mm-hmm. them get used to this. Because what wires together, or what fires together, wires together, you know, and yeah, yeah so be a big help to them. So does that yeah. feel like you can do that? It feels a little daunting. Okay. I I believe I can I can incorporate that into my existing morning routine. Okay. Um, Got to find a blue pen. Yeah, definitely. And there may be other colors for other. That's what I do. I mean, I have I have two parts that use blue. What both exiles, former exiles, as well. So, yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, just to be able to do that, and you're welcome to you're welcome to get in touch with me too. You know, if this is thank you. You know, I mean, obviously, none of this was therapy. We're doing a demo, you know. But um, but yeah, I definitely, you know, definitely have been really moved by the beauty of your parts, by the way they collaborated, by the degree of self energy. Drew, it was really amazing to be with you. It was an honor to be invited into your space, into the sacred ground of your parts and kind of the love and the connection. So, so a lot of gratitude from my parts and from myself to you for that. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> what a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much for offering your gifts and skills and yourself um, so that not only I can have more healing, but all the men who mm-hmm. witness this, if we decide to publish it, mm-hmm. will also benefit. And yeah, yeah. Well, and again, sometimes parts see what other parts are doing, you know? I mean, it's like, whoa, you know, because it can open up the imagination, you know? And that's often, that's a really powerful thing. So the the most important aspect of this is that you've connected with your own parts and you've loved them. The rest of it's gravy, you know, the yeah. rest of it. <laughs> you know. I love that. But, but a gift. Yeah. You know, so no pressure about, you know, about any of that. No, certainly not from my end. So. Well, again, thank you so much. Praise God for integration. <laughs> yes. Praise God for healing. 
and and for how even our sexual parts can be loved, cherished, affirmed, empowered, that we can separate out what's real from the counterfeit. <laughs> you know, we can let go of any burdens we've attached to our sexuality and and we can invite the Holy Spirit into this process. Yeah, seek and ye shall find. Mm -hmm. But so much of that does happen, you know, through the self because our Lord, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, they don't want to invade us. Right. So when that comes through the self, it can be so much easier for parts to take in. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when there's a secure attachment between the parts and you as Drew, it becomes easier to introduce them to, to God. Yeah. The three persons. I, That's so true. Um, I, I just, I really feel that because all love ultimately comes from God, right? Whether it comes through the self or through another person or directly from the Holy Spirit or whatever, you know, it all comes from God. So, but yeah, St. Paul says sometimes these little parts need milk. Sometimes they need it sort of translated through the self. And then it makes it easier to become more directly in contact with God. Mm -hmm. so. Which is what we talked about at the very beginning, experiencing <laughs> rather than just <laughs> thinking. Yeah, thinking. You know? And the parts that do that too are trying to help, right? Because yeah. so often they're terrified of God, you know, and they're, they're trying to, to get us in a position to be acceptable, you know, but it's really hard to devote our lives to a God who merely tolerates us, you know, you yes. know? but a God who loves us. You know, where we are his beloved children, that's a whole, it's a whole different story. Yeah. Yeah. So good to write a new chapter of that story today. And that's why I always remind you guys, you are God's beloved son in you. He is well pleased. Well, so so much happened in there but i am also really mindful of time we've got you know right around oh, 15 minutes left drew i'm just gonna i'm just gonna offer it to you take take it where you will you know i know i know you've got something to share with us or at least i sense that so thanks peter <clears throat> i will say that i did not complete the 30 or 40 days of checking in <laughs> twice a day with my parts. Back, I was like, wow, that's a big commitment. I did, I did check in a few times and I'll share one of, one of those check-ins. It was, it was like writing with a blue par, uh, marker or something. I think you had suggested that. So I wrote with my non-dominant hand and my, my part was saying, uh, love me. And it was like, okay, you don't, don't let it stop with the session, like continue to give that compassion to yourself. And then I checked in again and it, and it put the word you in front. So it was like, you love me. I was like, oh, building that internal trust of like, oh, you really love me. I'm not, not all like I was before. So, um, without, without being too too dramatic, I did experience a big change in the intensity and the just the the charge of that specific fantasy. 
like it has had a lot less energy behind it um, be, because the story I tell myself is some of that drama got released and it got unburdened. Yeah. Yeah. I very much had a sense that there was a lot that was, that was able to be let go and a lot of great things that were able to be kept, you know? So there was that sifting. Yeah. Um, in trying to describe the difference, my best way to describe it is the headgear braces thing feels less magical and more manageable. It got normalized. It got welcomed in. It's like, okay, some peace mm-hmm. instead of the the mix of of fear and arousal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much <laughs> for facilitating that. Oh wow! I was it's just a pleasure, just an honor to be able to to journey with you on that to to accompany really i really see that as my role was to accompany you you know and and to the degree that uh it can be possible to accompany all of you you know um you know the parts um as well as the innermost self Uh, and to be able to accept you know what parts are able willing to tolerate yeah, I don't, I'm kind of speechless. I don't really know quite what to say. I had some notes made out, um, but uh, <laughs> I don't, they don't seem very important right now. So, um, the 21 days, we have a question from Brittany about the, the 21 days. So 21 to 28 days that there's some, some evidence from neurology, neurophysiology about the establishment of the actual embodied neural pathways, the, the new, the new, um, the new connections in the brain. Typically what I'd recommend is, yeah, three to five minutes in the morning, three to five minutes in the evening minimum to just sort of check in with those parts. If you can do that, it's great. You know, but even as Drew, you were saying, it doesn't have to be done perfectly. Few things in this area are done perfectly. You know, and there still can be great benefit that comes from it. I would love to hear any other questions. So modes, I, I'm a big fan of journaling and I journal every day, multiple times a day in different colors. So I have 11 different pencils I'm a, I'm a little geeked out on this i have 11 different colors of pencils they all are erasable colored pencils that are erasable so that if i want to you know if a part wants to like correct how it's gotten written down it can do that so i know what voice you know what voice is is being uh is being heard or being spoken for i also like parts mapping you know which is drawing out the parts and the relationships among the parts and that doesn't have to be artistically um, impressive. You know, I, I tend to draw parts as circles, squares, and triangles when I draw them, you know. So, but the important thing is, the important thing in all of this is to to be with your parts, to to, to be in, and to be that presence. Um, and then the doing, 
flows from the being. Uh, and now sometimes I've had clients that say, oh, that's you're now you're talking like Yoda. You know, that's a Yoda speak you get into. But I mean, I, I really, I really do, really do think that um, it's like being a mother, right? Would you rather have a mother who is a good mother and who's flowing, who's doing flows from that being, sort of flows from her being a good mother? Or would you rather have somebody who's acting in the role of a mother who is doing what a good mother would do? You know, so that's why I emphasize so much the human formation of the Christian therapist. You know, this isn't um, book learning primarily. It's not your professional development. It's not how many IFS trainings you've had. It's not how many PESI courses you've taken, how many books you've read. It's really about like, are you are you integrated? Are you in a great place to be able to be with yourself so that you can be with the other in a way that's wholesome and good? Can't teach that in graduate school. So that's why, like in the interior therapist community that I run, we're really all about the human formation. The resilient Catholics community that uh, that I that I lead, it's all about the human formation. It's really what we need. Um, in order to be able to be with. Yeah, even some of these great recommendations and plans and practices can be motivated by fear or shame, <laughs> thus self-defeating or unproductive. Yeah, I think so much, so many therapists, you know, have unresolved shame. We are looking outside of ourselves. There's ways that we want our clients to change so that we can feel better about ourselves as therapists you know and so i think we really really need to be careful about that because otherwise we're imposing an additional an additional weight or burden on our clients and we're not doing that intentionally and parts are trying to help us you know but it's really hard to go on diplomat diplomatic uh, missions to or diplomatic visits to other people's castles if a civil war is going on within your own castle. But the beautiful thing is that if we as therapists can unburden, if we can even unblend, if we can just unblend, we can be so much more available to our clients. I, I've known clinicians, I've seen clinicians who are really struggling with some pretty heavy-duty unresolved trauma some some fairly symptomatic presentations but when they unblended when their parts were willing to give their innermost self space boy they could do some really beautiful work with their clients so to me that's really hopeful we don't have to be anything like perfect you know this is really robust it's very approximate uh, i don't feel like you know like <laughs> i don't feel like the work we did drew was like precision laser precise types of i mean it wouldn't it, that's not a measure that we would use for something like that so can i ask you a question drew yeah um when you were speaking to shame being a motivator that really resonated with some of my parts and um, stuff that i've done work around and continue to do work around so i'm curious letting that go you were concerned about, well, am I going to let myself go then? What's that been like, that part of shame as a motivator and how it affected all of your parts? 
Well, as it turns out, compassion has provided motivation too. <laughs> Which could be surprising, but I, I find that affirmation and compassion seems to actually give me more more motivation than than shame did. That's awesome. Lovely. Thanks. Welcome. <laughs> just just so much gratitude to you, Drew. Um for multiple things. First of all, for just being willing to do the work inside. And then to share your stories, to share your parts, and to share your um, your love for your parts with us. There's so much good that's going to redound from that in my life. I know it already has so much appreciation, uh, regardless of where this goes from here. So, Thanks, so yeah, Peter. just a lot of beauty in that. And I'm so grateful for you. I mean, for me, this was primarily just about receiving. <laughs> so, but when you love you yeah there are all there's all kinds of collateral goodness that happens all kinds of collateral healing that happens that you may not even be aware of you know that we're not aware of so there's this there's this uh harmony about what's good and these ripple effects that carry on because we all are in the mystical body of christ we're all connected in the mystical body of christ we're all one body in christ with christ as our head so um so yeah what we do in our own systems has an impact on everybody else so, so i'm grateful thankful for everybody being present i mean if you had to leave that that would have been okay but you stayed and that just tells me that that you were with me too so thank you so much yeah for two and a that. half hours for two and a half That's hours. A long time <laughs> goodness all right well thank you both so much for your time tonight much appreciated yeah welcome thank, thank you yes thank you so much now, this episode, episode 114 of the Interior Integration for Catholics podcast, this episode might have brought up a lot more questions for you about unburdening. Maybe more questions than answers. So I have an invitation for you. Join us live for our next episode, episode 115, on Friday, June 16th, from 7 o'clock to 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. In episode 115, on June 16th, Resilient Catholics Community Lead Navigator Marion Moreland and I will answer your questions, any questions from our live audience about unburdenings informed by internal family systems. You can register to join us for free on our website, soulsandhearts.com backslash IIC. There'll be a free link on that landing page. And you can also email me questions beforehand at crisis at soulsandhearts.com. Now, big news, it's happening. The Resilient Catholics community is now open for new applicants. We open twice a year in June and December. 
I founded the Resilient Catholics Community, the RCC, for Catholics who are committed to going to the deepest natural levels within themselves to work through unmet attachment needs, unmet integrity needs, to work through their human formation issues. And why? So that we can have that interior integration, so that we can have that inner unity to be able to enter into deep loving unions with our neighbor and with God. The RCC provides a very structured approach to help you with your human formation. It's a year-long program, 44 weekly lessons spread out over the course of a year with the support of other Catholics on a pilgrimage together to greater human formation. So many of our RCC members have experienced great growth, great healing. The RCC is not about therapy. We don't provide therapy in the RCC, but it's a great adjunct to other work that you may be doing with a therapist. And so many of our RCC members have experienced spontaneous unburdenings. We don't do formal unburdening protocols in the RCC. There are a lot of reasons for that. But so many people have experienced so much relief from all kinds of burdens in the RCC. If you want to take the next step, if the way that we understand human formation in the Interior Integration for Catholics podcast makes sense to you, learn about the RCC and sign up, register. Soulsandhearts.com backslash RCC, little r, little r, little c. I hope to see you in the RCC.